At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And we are rolling live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and so many other places. Good morning, Patrick Thomas. Uh, good morning, Mark. How are you? It's great to have you on. Uh, like I say, and I've been chasing VTN for a while, so so glad to have him on the show. A big part of what we do here is we are an aggregate for resources, and I'm really excited to learn about VTN today. So let's talk about yourself a little bit to start off. Uh, you are a Vietnam veteran. Yes, I, I, I was uh, drafted into the service in 1968 and um, went to Vietnam in March of 69 and stayed till March of 70. And I left the service in 1972. And um, since then, I had gone through a lot of changes and struggles in my life, not aware that I was even suffering from PTSD. There wasn't much talk about it in those days. So kind of uh, struggled along on my own and with as little help as I could find here and there from uh, the VA in those days. I was from the States. So uh, consequently, I kind of went through my own personal trip of therapies and uh, ways of healing myself and taking care of myself. But um, I knew it was a losing battle all along. I was having a hard time for maybe 30 years or more. Uh, I worked as an artist uh, for a long time. I was a schooled artist. I graduated from the Art Institute of Chicago, and that helped me a lot to uh, express a lot of my feelings about uh, the trauma I suffered from and some of the torment I brought upon myself. And uh, years later, I eventually moved to Montreal, where I became an exhibiting artist, and I was working uh, with my wife, in tandem on her small business in a clothing business. So I eventually ended up uh, abandoning my art world uh, since there wasn't much income coming from that. So I became a marketing director for our company, which was a small business that was growing rapidly and kind of sucked me in and uh, I enjoyed the business. I worked very well with it for over 30 years. Um, Eventually, I became the executive director of the Children's Apparel Manufacturers Association of Canada. And later, I moved on to the Apparel Human Resources Council of Canada. And at that point, I decided to take my retirement and get out of business. But uh, at some point around 2010 or 11, I was starting to feel... Uh, a lot of those um, symptoms that I was always having, but they were getting more intensified again. And I thought I had passed through that, but I realized that I'm, I'm still struggling. Uh, you know, that's, and, and that's a the, good example, Patrick, of um, the myth that time heals all wounds. Uh, in this case, it is just not true. It metastasizes. It gets worse. And if you, the sooner you get on it, the better. But when you leave it alone and it's unresolved, it uh, you never know when it's going to pop its head up. You're exactly right, because it did come and go through time. And 
you know, I was sort of self-medicating off and on and trying to take care of myself and ignore it as best I could. But uh, consequently, uh, I lost my business. I lost my family. And I had a lot of damage in the road behind me that, you know, I think was attributed to a lot of those those symptoms I was having. Uh, but I did manage to get through. And um, around 2013, someone I was talking to told me about the VTN, which was some this relatively new group uh, were doing some interesting work with uh, trauma veterans. And I'd always had a bit of a sympathy for the Afghan guys because I felt like you guys got dealt the same deals that we did in a way, the long-term stuff and the difficulty of transiting back and not really giving a shit about us when we got back. So um, I think I reached out to VTN and I can't remember if they reached out to me or not, vice versa, but uh, they invited me to come on to this 10 day program. And um, at first I was gung ho to go for it. And then as I read more about it and got a little bit uh, more informed, I got kind of scared because I didn't, I was afraid to go back to those places, you know, sure. and it was really difficult for me to just to decide to go. And, but once I did my pre-intake interview, I, I felt pretty secure about the whole situation. And I felt like maybe it is time to do something. Uh, it can't hurt because I've been suffering so much. I just couldn't uh, take it anymore. So I went to the program uh, cautiously and uh, I was very, very uh, paranoid about it because I wasn't sure. First of all, if I fit in, I'm an American veteran and all these other guys on the program were uh, Canadian veterans. And uh, it was just a lot of, uh, a lot of fear that I was going through to, to sort of go there. But due to the program and the way it was organized, I sort of dropped all that stuff after day one. Once we got to know each other a little bit, I really felt like I was uh, a part of the group and they were accepting me. And, uh, and uh, But I really was proud. They made me feel proud of my service, even in that short time I knew those guys. And I haven't had that opportunity in my life. As a matter of fact, we never spoke about you know, our experiences in war uh, to people that we knew. And... Uh, so for me, that was like the biggest relief of all that I could talk about it, that, that I wasn't going to get, you know, chastised for my my experiences and things that I was talking about. Uh, during the program, and uh, I'll just go into what the program is about. It's a 10-day program, and it takes place over six to eight weeks on long weekends, four days, five days off, four days, five days off, and then two days, three days, actually. And during the time you're there, it's, it, it's, the transformation is amazing. I didn't feel it at all. Anything was happening to me, but I knew something was happening. I had that feeling that stuff was moving around me and I wasn't aware that it was really changes that were happening. And as we went through the program and I learned more about myself and what was going on and some of the baggage that I'd been carrying and all of the shame and the guilt, it became sort of something that I could sit beside and, and be with. Whereas in the past I couldn't. And I, and I kind of always refused to um, 
face this stuff or deal with it, actually. Yeah. That's very, very common. Pardon me? It's very, very common. And the the fear that you had about going into the program is the same fear that um, I hear about all the time. Uh, for myself, making that first phone call, picking up the phone, it was a thousand pound telephone. It, taking those first mm-hmm. steps is the hardest, hardest part by far. And I think the longer you wait, the harder it gets. And you waited a long time before you finally reached out for help. What was it that um, had you say, okay, now it's time to reach out for that help at VTN? I I think because of my age, you know, I'm not a young guy. I'm going to be 72 years old soon. And I was was thinking to myself, it's got to be better. (laughs) I, I mean, I've been suffering too long. And there's got to be something better in life for me than this. And I need to find it. Uh, as I said, I lost my first wife on because of all the problems I was having. And my, you know, my, I got distance from my only daughter and everything was just shambles around me. I was never, I, I, I never connected with my family. Of course they're in Chicago and I've been living in Canada. I only saw them occasionally and I didn't really have much communication with them you know, I started cut everybody off and I was doing all of that unconsciously, but it was hurting me. And I didn't know that because I was isolating. I was constantly isolating and I seemed to have uh, been comfortable in that place. And, or I thought I was, and that's how I wanted to be. And I had all the other symptoms, the classic symptoms. I, I was very rarely go in huge public spaces I wasn't, I had a hard time going to the grocery stores, you know, if there was somebody standing in front of me and I wanted something, I'd just walk by and forget about it. Stuff like that was happening to me all the time, you know, and I I had very little uh, ability to communicate with strangers, you know, And, and those were all the things that I've been missing out on all my life. And the things that I learned in the VTN were exactly that, how to start to communicate again, how to get back to being, uh, get back to try to be the person you want to be. And those, those um, steps for me were giant steps. And uh, when I realized that some of the traumas that I was dealing with were really not the biggest problem I was having, it was the effects of those traumas. And when I did deal with the trauma stuff during part of our program, I realized that these things were really there and happened to me, which was sometimes I kind of avoided and said, no, they didn't. It just couldn't have happened. And But they also led to um, sort of satellite problems for me that I thought were unrelated to actually what happened. All this communication stuff and all these problems I was having around people and uh and you know, overdoing everything, drinking too much, drugs too much, whatever I was uh, doing, I always did too much, and I always did enough to knock myself out and kind of uh, lose myself from my thoughts. Um, so, as I was going through the program again, I, I learned about that stuff. I learned about the effects of what happened to me in Vietnam and what I witnessed and what I took back with me and. Uh, it, and how it how it was never dealt with, you know. Um, I always thought, oh well, it's just me. I'm not 
I, I, I'm just not normal. I shouldn't have been there. That was my next thing. I said, you know, I just wasn't the right person to go there because I can't live with this shit. So I just put it away and I never dealt with it. And I, that was a, a huge mistake, but I always blame myself, of course. So now I'm able to accept that and just say that the help wasn't there for me. And I didn't really seek it out because I wasn't, it wasn't in front of me. And I kind of stayed with status quo survival. Was part of the isolation that you were experiencing because you were in Canada as a Vietnam vet and there was difficult to find other Vietnam vets? Had you been able to uh, know, say, hey, there's this organization with specifically Vietnam veterans, uh, would that have made you more comfortable to go towards that organization? I don't think so. And and, and that makes me think of a story of, a, I, I lived in Mexico for a few years after the war too, and I, I decided I was pissed off at everything, and I went down there. And I went to this colony, it was an international artist colony, and I that's where I really discovered art. But I made friends with a guy from California, and we hung out together and got high together and, you know, did all kinds of activities together uh, for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And we were pretty close friends, you know, and that was, like, amazing for me. But it was way back in the beginning. I'm going into the 73, 74 now. And we parted ways I, in 1976. I left Mexico, and... Around 1987, 88, I was out in California on business, and I decided to call this guy just to say hello, see if he was still around, check him out. So we had dinner together, and we got talking, and he said to me, hey, did you ever see that movie Platoon? I says, nah, never heard of it, and I hadn't at that time. He says, well, it's about Vietnam. And I said, Ed, why would you be interested in Vietnam? He says, well, I'm a Vietnam vet. I said, you're shitting me. <laughs> I was like, it's a guy I knew. We never knew that. Because you never spoke of it. Never spoke about it. Never came up. We, we both, you know, when we discovered that that day, we both start crying. It's like, what did they do to us? So I wasn't proud. I wasn't able to be proud. I wasn't able to relate to other veterans. There were, of course, in Canada, I, I don't think there are any organizations. I know I've heard of some group in Ottawa. But uh, I wasn't into that. I just felt like we were better off not speaking about it. And that's how I sort of uh, ended up with all of this stuff going on with me. Well, that's common. Um, uh, Friends of mine that I served with, (laughs) I've heard them and and seen them make comments on Facebook or whatnot about, it's better not to poke the bear, you know, don't, don't disturb those rocks. You know, don't kick that over. You don't want to see what's under there. Just leave it alone and ignore it. Uh, what Now, <laughs> that didn't work very well for you. And what would you say to those people that are saying uh, it's better just to let sleeping dogs lie? I'm living proof that that's not a good way to live. And I, that's one of the, you know, now I'm a, I'm a very, VTN is a strong part of my life. It's a big part of my life. I've been a para on maybe 15, maybe 16 courses already. And I totally enjoy it. And one of the first things I say as a para in that group is, you guys got to deal with this shit now. Otherwise, you're going to end up like me. And when you're in your 60s and 70s and you find out you've had a terrible life behind you and you've never been happy, 
you'll find that you've wasted a life. So, so what's a para? Is, it, is a para like a, a peer helper or like a mentor? A peer support helper, yes. We one, Once you've done the program, you may get invited back or if you wish, if you desire to be a para, uh, to participate as a para. A para is a graduate of the program. And in each program, there are six participants. And two paraprofessionals and two clinicians that are trained in the, servicing the program. And the paras are actually the, the icebreaker between the clinicians and the veterans. Because often there's a, there's a disconnect between the, the clinical part of our work and the veterans and, and not just our work, but all kind of therapies, I think. So we help them to gain trust in the clinicians, also in us. And it makes the group gel a lot better when we're forming as a group. Um, the para role is key to the whole program. It is really, really important because it be, lets you know that there are people out there with your that have had similar experiences than you. There are people out there that care, that are veterans, and that we want to help other veterans. What and I'm hearing, what Patrick, is the power of peer support. This show was born out of a peer support group. Um, the DND uh, trained me up and got me certified as a peer supporter. Uh, so I could facilitate a group. And um, unfortunately, you know, I think that course could use a lot of evolution. But what I'm hearing from you is that it's the power of peer support that where you found most of the healing. Is that accurate or am I putting words in your mouth? Yes, I think so. Because what what happens in in the type of uh, work we do with, with the VTN, it involves you going deep and dealing with the stuff that you wouldn't deal with otherwise. And during part of the, the, the exercises, the paras actually talk about their experiences during the VTN and how it was for them to bring up these stories and these, these experiences from the past. And it gives the other veterans a lot more confidence and, and a lot less fear of talking about it. Uh, for me, it was like it helped me to unlock stuff. Uh, there were a lot of things in my mind that I just couldn't deal with or didn't deal with. And all of a sudden, I wasn't even sure if they were real anymore. And over time, I think yeah. that's what happens with me. And, and you know, uh, it was that that made me start to say, you know what? There was an event, there was something that happened that since that day, something wasn't right. And it's okay to be injured. It's okay to not be okay. What I keep hearing is uh, people look at their experience, they trivialize it, and they go, well, that shouldn't have caused me an injury. I shouldn't be having problems because of that. Um, But when you are around other people that are like, no, that's exactly the type of thing that can cause um, an injury and cause you problems and haunt you for years, don't minimize it. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay if that injured you. You're absolutely right. And and that's part of it, being able to accept that you're all right, you're normal, and that if you want to get rid of this, this is the way to do it too. And uh, for me, a lot of those some of my stories I, I have never repeated 
and uh, I've never spoken about him before I went on the program. And now it's become my story. And I've taken sort of a ownership of that, whereas before I thought it was something that was um, a burden on my back that I had to carry. And now it was more like, anyway, this is part of me. I need to understand what it's done to me, how it got to, got me to where I am today. And VTN helped me to express that, first of all, and, and understand it, because I didn't really have the the language for that, if you know, excuse a better word for it. I wasn't able to express it. I didn't understand it. And I was also super paranoid about this Pandora's box thing. Like, you know, if I open that up, uh, it's going to blow up in my face. Don't you poke know, the bear. Land, land my yeah. Yeah. So through VTN and the way that we worked the programs, this process became so much easier for me. And, and it made me just kind of become equal with myself. I had this other self that was just a busy person trying to keep my life, uh, you know, balanced and not really dealing with my personal feelings and just getting along, getting on with life and being able to uh, continue and get through it, as I would say. And I kept myself busy. I mean, I had, when I worked in the apparel industry, I very rarely worked less than 10 hours a day. And I just stayed busy all the time. And uh, it was just my way of avoiding being with myself. Any Whereas kind now of... I just any kind of holic is um, it's a coping mechanism, whether you lose yourself in work, um, a farmer that I know, you know, um, people that never take time off and then are proud of it. It's like, I've been working 10 years straight without a day off and they're proud of it. These are all coping mechanisms to keep from being in a moment where you have a time to really sit and think and 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 look at things that you don't want to look at it's uh it's amazing what people will do for coping mechanisms it, it, it's true it's true and and as you say it's it, anybody can do that it's not just someone who's been traumatized or injured it's just a way of not being with yourself <laughs> and I see it to be uh, coming from the artist community where people in art, somehow you feel like you can do that 24 hours a day. And it's just the way it is. You don't really have an office. You have your studio, but you just work and you work and you work. And then when you're not working, you talk about work. It's Mm kind of like a whole world around it that was all cool, too. It was very acceptable to me and very good and fun. And it was very social for me, which I had never had. Because I had this meaningful um, creation going on around me, and I was getting all kinds of um, information about the processes, which which was something that I was probably looking for, not knowing it. That I was trying to process my experiences somehow, uh, and and NVTN is another way that I learned to process my my feelings and my my uh, symptoms and. Oh, things going on around me, which led me to understand more about 
how I can go through my daily life and sort of be a little more patient, a little more understanding and more empathetic. And I learned so much, I, I, especially in communications. I was uh, a changed person. My wife now, she, she saw me go through this. She was with me in this. And she said, you're not the same guy. You know? Are you still creating art? Very minimal. I did have an exhibit of my work that I did a few uh, many years ago, uh, and all my work was revolved around my war experience. By the way, so uh, I, one of my friends, uh, convinced me that I should do this exhibit, so I submitted a uh, request to do it, and I got accepted. And it was quite interesting for me to get feedback from the people coming to see the show and all that. And I, I was hoping to get inspiration to get back to it. I really wish I could, but I'm kind of like, I think I think I did what I had to do. Mm. I sort of had a mission in those days, and I think my mission is is over. And what kind uh, of art uh, do you create? Are you paintings or? Uh, well, it mixed medium. I've done painting, sculpture, uh, craft, uh, everything you can think of. I did, I, the bulk of my work was probably in uh, paper, uh, handmade paper. And I used to do layers and layers and layers of paper with objects and and things going on in between each layer. And sometimes they'd be up to two inches thick. Um, and it was all about my experiences um, that, that I had in the war. And it was very personal, uh, very intimate, too. And a lot of people didn't get it. A lot of people did. And uh, But it, I think it was really for me. And as I said, to, to, when I think about going back to it, my biggest hurdle is like, where do I begin? Mm. How do I begin? What's, what's going to drive me to be creative again? I, I certainly don't want to go back to dark places anymore. I'm done with that. Well, wanna... that kind of segues me into what I've been thinking with this line of questions. I'd be so curious uh, to see your your work from 20 years ago and your work today and to see as you've changed how your art has changed. Because as you know, um, trauma isn't about what happened. It's about our relationship to what has happened. And our relationship to what has happened would be uh, reflected in your art. So it would be interesting to not overthink it, just let it go and just start creating something and to see where it takes you and what those pieces look like now and how they've changed as a reflection as your inner change. That would be fascinating. Well, you're right. And I, I, I see it that way too. But it's the... Uh, the incentive to get it going mm. <laughs> it's very difficult uh, and and i remember when i was in the creative process it was 99% time experimenting and trying to find that that medium that works for you or that place and the rest of the time was like just development so uh, the way my life is now it's really hard for me to dedicate all that time to that and a studio and getting myself going. Once in a while, I'll sit down and I'll do some drawing, but it, it just doesn't flow. It's, yeah. It's like, and, and I think it's that's because I know what I'm capable of and I just can't get there. So I'm a little frustrated, I think. and uh, I need to put more time into it, more energy into it, and 
develop it better. But uh, maybe it's a different right. medium now. Maybe something's shifted, and maybe it's a different medium than you haven't thought of it. Maybe you're trying to do the same thing the same way, but you're not the same person. So it has to be something different. Yes, you're right. You're right. It's it's just got to get it going for sure. But mm. there's other stuff going on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, you know, things are getting like that. So back to but this. Maybe that's Back to those 10 days at VTN, that is an extraordinarily short amount of time to have any kind of transformation. Um, what is the secret sauce? Like, how, how, do, how can you articulate that? Uh, can you boil it down to as simple as peer support? It seems like um, well, there's more to it than that. Oh, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to it. Uh, the, the, the program was developed by a Dr. Marv Westwood from the University of British Columbia. He... Back in, I think it was 1998 or so, he was visiting uh, his wife's uncle in the hospital who was a World War II veteran. And he had a revelation while speaking to him that this poor man has lived a life of misery. He was an alcoholic and having all kinds of problems. And he realized that after speaking to him and listening to him and he this man had told him stories about his war experiences. He was an older, older man, and uh, he didn't have much time left, apparently. But he realized that this guy, maybe if he had been able to tell his stories at some point in his life, it would have been a better life for him. So he was, he left there with the idea that maybe there's something we can do for these veterans to help them speak about the unspeakable. And, I, he eventually the program developed. And by 2004 or so out in BC, they were running the group programs. Um, the interesting part of the program is, is a therapy called enactment therapy, not to be confused with reenactment. It's kind of gone to your place of trauma and with the guidance of the clinicians and the group, they all play a part of it. In my case, as a, I can only tell you what happened to me, uh, my trauma was about loss and, and grieving because I never grieved and I lost friends. And I didn't realize that was what was bothering me, but it was um, pretty hard on me. And it was another reason why I was failing to be social because I was always afraid to lose people. Sure. And so the clinicians interviewed me for maybe two hours before I was going to do this enactment, which to me was like, oh, I can't do this crazy shit. I was totally mortified. I was scared. And they talked to me about it. They explained it to me. They, they were really, really well-trained, really trained. And <clears throat> they were there like... Um, I guess you call them guardian angels through the whole thing. And um, when you come back to the group after your interview, you decide, you you form the situation could have been that caused the trauma. And it's like a, an act. And you pick one guy to be the person you lost and you pick another guy. And, and you pick a guy to be you because you're not in it. So this guy or this person plays your role 
and you're there watching it, what happened, you know. And while you're watching this, you, it's an amazing transformation, actually, but you, you transport, too. You go there, and you're actually watching what happened. And, you're, and the clinicians are feeding you um, comments and support, like, look, look, that guy there. There's nothing you could have done. You couldn't have done anything. It's over. But what would you like to do? How would you like to have seen this? What would be the outcome if you could have done something? You know, so, you, you, and you're walking around this circle and you're looking at it and you're watching yourself as you're uh, looming over the scene and you're kind of like, wow, you know, like you come to terms with it in a way. Uh, I can't explain exactly what happens to me inside when it was all going on, but it just everything flows well it's not unlike a psilocybin trip um through psilocybin mushrooms um they don't necessarily go directly at a particular event but it it helps you see things from a different perspective to just come to peace with it you know it's still there but how you feel about it because it's not the thing that is the problem it's how you feel about the thing it's your relationship to that thing to that event that mm-hmm. is the problem when you change that relationship it is helpful it sounds though like it's um dealing with single event ptsd as opposed to which i think is i mean it's all difficult to treat but when it's one event and you can isolate that event, that is such a blessing. But uh, mm-hmm. so many, uh, <laughs> certainly myself included, uh, have CPTSD. So numerous, numerous events, uh, not just one event, but dozens of them, uh, and not necessarily just from uh, military service. It's uh, a lifetime of it. And uh, with when because that's very common to have CPTSD. Uh, when that's the case, can VTN still help? Yes, uh, this is what happens. In the process of deciding what you want to deal with, it can be multiple events. It can be any way it comes to you that you feel comfortable with, but it has to be manageable, I guess is the right word. And that's where the clinicians with the meeting kind of help you to 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 break it down because i i i think what you can say is okay well you know some of this stuff was pretty constant it's like a toothache and it just keeps aching and aching and aching and you know you, you have to deal with it and the the a lot of the guys come and what we do before we we do a a, a kind of a um what do you call it a a life study, you know, like go through your life, break it down into segments and events that have happened in your life, a life review. And during your writing as life review, it takes two days, of course. The first day we write a little bit, the next day, and then we go back and say, look, you wrote about this. Here's some of your ups and downs. Here's let's, where do you want to go with this? You know, what's, what's, Look here, you got 10 points there sometimes that you want to, that are on your, let's say, the dark side. You want to, which ones you feel like are the ones that hurt the most or the ones you want to deal with to get rid of the most or unload or unpack. And so you kind of go through the process of elimination. And I think 
once you've done that, you start to say, okay, I, I had this going. And I've seen some guys do two things in the same enactment. You know, uh, and it's not always about combat and it's not always about anything in particular either. So it, it doesn't have to be. You know, there's a lot of child abuse involved with guys in the military and there's all kinds of stories. And the way that it sort of opens you up to go there, I think people with multiple traumas kind of start to say, oh, well, I can apply these these tools to a lot of my trauma. I can I can try to get outside of it and see what's happened to me. I can it gives you a better grasp of overall picture of what's happening to you. But taking one event or two events and really going deep on them, it it gives you the ability to move forward to other events and work on them. And it doesn't matter where you empty the cup from, whether it's from the bottom or the top or the middle. Uh, If you take a scoop out of the cup from anywhere, it's going to help because it's all cumulative. Exactly. Exactly. It's like that backpack that you keep. That's right. Loading things into and you start taking them out, it sure helps. Doesn't matter if you take a rock out of the top or the bottom or somewhere in the middle. As long as you take a rock out, it lightens the load. Yeah. Yeah, so the the program, as I said, it's it's pretty thorough about how it deals with some traumatic instances and it also helps you do uh, planning and it helps you with your communications with your family and your friends and outside of your your normal daily stuff. Uh, there, there's many, many things that I use every day just in communications, how to not flip off when somebody gets me pissed off. I mean, I'm <laughs> able to drive down the street now and I don't really give a damn about what's going on around me so much anymore as I used to. Yeah. Um, it's been it's in that sense it's great because i for once i can drive around and i can enjoy the view <laughs> instead yeah. of being in a rage and and noticing every asshole out there it's like that oh, one's an asshole oh wait a second it's me <laughs> i'm the asshole yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoops you know, yeah and that's usually was me so <laughs> <laughs> so those kind of things in there and those are all little pieces that you come out of there with just great little nuggets and we also do some future planning too before you leave the program and how to, to you know set goals and uh, you leave there with some goals to deal with and uh, and do some updates on those during your time out you know so uh, the program is amazing and uh, unfortunately due to covid we're not running the 10-day program uh, it's the close contact is just impossible because of the restrictions in COVID. Mm-hmm. But we did come up with a five-day program, which is everything but the enactment. And it really is helpful. It, it's very, very good. Uh, and I So are you doing that virtually it. then? No, we do it live. In person. Okay. But it's in COVID-safe conditions. We, we take, it's, it's a five-day program because we didn't want to have the travel and all that going on for over three different trips to come and go to the site. So we decided it was better to condense it into five days straight head on. You don't have to travel much. All We all stay at the same spot. We respect distancing. We're masked and uh, we do all the COVID rules. 
schools. Um, and it's working out. It's working out very well, actually. We've In Ontario, where, by the way, I'm the Ontario coordinator. Uh, we've run, I think, eight programs last year. And I have just doing my schedule now for 222, and I've got seven or eight scheduled. And we're all hoping that by the end of this year, 2022, we'll be able to get back to the 10-day program. When I first heard uh, VTN, the Veterans Transition Network, I guess I assumed that it was helping active duty people um, transition into civilian life, but it's really any veteran, anybody who has served, um, to help them deal with trauma is what it is. Is is that accurate? Right, exactly. And, And transition. But it is not only veterans, it's RCMP as well. Mm-hmm. And occasionally we have first responders. I, in almost every group lately, we've had at least one ex-police officer or Corrections Canada member. Uh, if we have room for them, we put them in. So it's a free program. No one pays. It's a, uh, Everything is included. Your meals, room, everything. So. And what is the um, the geographic location? How does somebody get there? Like, where are the different uh, spots for VTN? We run one in Western Ontario, I call it, which is a, a small town west of London, Ontario. Okay. And then another one is in a small town east of Kingston. All right. And we run alternatively. I, the Western one I run maybe two a year because it's just the population isn't there, but uh, we, we offer it because there's a lot of people in the Northwest, especially in the, you know, the Kitchener area there. So, uh, Is there anything and, in, uh, in BC or Alberta or Saskatchewan? Oh, yeah, it's, it's run across country. We, we, we've actually, I was just looking at the statistics. We've, we've serviced, we've offered the program to over 50, veterans since its inception in the nine different provinces. They're in Nova Scotia, Ontario, Quebec, um, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, BC. Oh, that's fantastic. So we covered everywhere. We have coordinators. We have three coordinators that handle the countries cut up in three. Four, actually. We have Quebec now, too. So we started a complete French program uh, full-time now since a year and a half. So When did you learn French? I learned it in 1980. Uh, I lived in Paris for a while, and I studied French there. And when I came back from Paris, I came to Montreal with my wife, and I sort of totally immersed in the French community there. So I became fully bilingual eventually. (laughs) Well, I've been learning every day for about 380 days in a row. So maybe in a couple (laughs) of years, I'll be able to converse with you. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for the opportunity. You bet. Um, Just as we close out, how can people find VTN? What's the website? VTNCanada.org. VTNCanada.org, and I'll throw that in the show notes as well. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being a guest on Operation Tango Romeo, Patrick. Thank you. Bye-bye. Please stay on the line, and we'll close out. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Now, I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. 
If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all. So help other people find this so that they can help themselves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.